moments in a service to come to you. Lord, we don't wait for the right song, the right moment, the set-aside time. Lord, there is, there is no set-aside time to come to you except right now. God, I pray that if there's someone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, someone watching us online this morning who has never given their heart to Jesus, that they'll do it right now, not wait until the end, not wait and see what the message says, but Lord, they, they will turn to Christ, they will repent of their sins and trust Him for their salvation. It is that easy, it is that simple, and it is so monumental. And Lord, as you continue to work on us as believers, we come to you as believers this morning, broken and hurting and empty and, and all of these various things that life does to us, knowing that only you can fill us, only you can fix us. You are our only hope. And I thank you that we have that hope in you. God, speak to us this morning as we study your word. Let us hear your voice today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. One of Paul's most quoted, probably, passages, at least from Philippians, uh, maybe I'd say second or third behind, it is no longer I who live, I mean, no, um, to live is Christ, to die is gain, and then you've got 413, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me, uh, we'll cover this when we get there, but that verse so often is taken way out of context, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, don't worry, um, and then maybe this one, I press on toward the goal, leaving behind everything, press on, he says, and, and Already, just in the title, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what we're pressing on for. Pressing on to know Christ, to know Him. Paul loves sports references in his letters. He does it over and over and over. He doesn't talk enough about football as far as I'm concerned. But he does talk about some other things, boxing and running. Uh, and I've got a clip for you, though. I'm going to show you in just a second. Um, it is from... Uh, I wrote this down somewhere. Where did I write it down? Not in my notes. Okay, just going to have to remember this. Uh, there's a, a girl you're going to watch in this race. It's a 4 by what's it called? 4 by 400 4 by 100 uh, It's a relay race of a certain distance. And uh, one lap, so I, maybe that's 100 meters, girl by the name of Phil Healy is, is the person you're going to watch. At the beginning of the clip, it, there's an arrow on her. And that's the last time you see her for the first 45 seconds of this clip. clip's not, but about a minute and a half long, if I remember correctly. This is the uh, Irish University Track Meet Championship. Uh, so the announcers... Uh, uh, both of the announcers on this are Irish. I could pick out about a couple of words of what they said. Uh, if you pick out more than that, and there are things that I didn't notice, I apologize in advance. I don't think there was anything 
incredibly untoward in what they said, um, but, you know, it, they're Irish, and it's hard to understand uh, when they're excited. Uh, I also apologize for the high notes that the guy hits when he gets excited. You'll see what I'm talking about in the end. But the race, pressing on to the goal, not looking behind, not giving up, not concerned about what's going on, just run your race, I think this clip is a great example of that. So you saw the arrow on the person. She's not in the frame right now. She's still not in the frame. This is good. This isn't the point. That's impressive. What a run is the last thing he said. Who knows with other stuff. Um, what a run indeed. She was fifth or sixth uh, when she took the baton. She had at least a quarter, maybe a third of the track to make up when she got the baton. And she did it. Now... I did a little research on her. That was in 2016. Um, I did a little research on her, expecting to find that she had gone on to be Olympic champion and, and all these. Her, her, her list of accomplishments, 6th, 13th, 17th, 8th, 4th. To my knowledge, she never won another race. But that race, she won, and she gave it everything she had until, as you saw at the end, she just fell. There, there, was, there was nothing left in her tank. It was an amazing race for Miss Phil Healy. If we, if we apply this verse to her, certainly when she got the baton, she had not reached the goal. Uh, she would say she was far from perfect in making that goal, there was likely no way, no one, the cameraman certainly didn't think it was worthwhile to focus on her. CC, UCC or something, CCU or whatever that co college was, they were out of it. That, they were done. But she made every effort. She forgot what was behind the first three legs that had put them into fifth or sixth place. And she reached forward. She focused on that one goal. I don't think...
think she was probably looking at all the other runners except to not run into them when the time when she passed them she was just focused on that line at the end of the race i think paul if if he could have seen that video he'd go yep that's what i'm talking about philippians 3 12 through 14 paul said not that i've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is head, ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Let's take just a brief moment and thank the holy spirit for telling paul to put these three verses in scripture right after the previous two verses that we talked about last week where he says his goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death assuming that i will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead if you remember that that last week that's hard to know him to the point of being joyful in the power of his resurrection and fellowship in his sufferings, being conformed to death, being that united with Christ that we, if not look forward to the end death, we rejoice in the possibility and the promise that we get to be with Jesus. To live is Christ. To die is gain, Paul says. And then he gives us verses 10 and 11 that really shame us. You know, Paul's goal in life, everything he's doing is to know Jesus. And we look at it, I look at it and go, that ain't my everyday, Paul. I'm just not as good as Paul. And Paul backs it up right here in verses 12 and says, I'm not as good as Paul either. And he tells us, I haven't gotten there yet. Just to kind of see where the emphasis is in these three verses, I've, I've put the, the, the passage in a, uh, uh, a slide that, that gives the major points off to the left kind of an outline of the sentences so you can see where paul is not even hammering us these these aren't imperatives here paul is talking about himself but of course we understand we are to look at paul and and take the example of him and go oh that needs to be us too see not that i've reached the have already reached the goal or i'm already perfect but i make every effort scripture my, my translation says or others say i press on the same word both times to take hold of it why because i've been set uh, i've been taken hold of by christ jesus brothers and sisters i do not consider myself to have taken hold of it but one thing i do forgetting what is behind and reaching toward what is ahead what's his what's the point of this sentence what's the oomph what's the emphasis i pursue i press on as my goal the prize that is promised by God's heavenly calling 
in Christ Jesus. When we look at it that way, we, we get Paul's emphasis and we see that while we will and need to look at these other parts of the passage, this morning we are going to leave here, I hope and I pray, pressing on to know him. Pressing on to know him better. In every step, in every uh, confrontation, in every conversation, in every moment of our lives, to know him, to have our goal as uh, knowing him, as Paul says in verse 10, but understanding that it's not as easy as it might appear. So the first thing we do, I believe, just like Paul in verse 12, first half of verse 12, is we need to admit the difficulty. Just because it's hard doesn't mean we aren't supposed to do it. Just because it's hard doesn't mean we aren't supposed to try harder. As a matter of fact, the harder the thing is to do, the harder we have to work to achieve it. And that's what Paul says. I, I haven't already achieved this goal. Paul knew verses 10 and 11 were hard. I mean, you, you, you could, I, I can kind of hear his, his wheels turning at the, when he finishes that sentence and, and in his head puts a period on that and goes, yeah, that's tough. But guys, not that I've already reached the goal. Don't hear me. Paul is saying, when he, well, Paul is saying, do hear me admit the difficulty. Don't hear me saying that, I am, uh, that I've done this. Don't hear me saying that I've got the formula for you to be able to do it as well. I mean, yes, there's a, a formula, but, but it's not something that I have completely perfected. I, I've, I do not know Jesus like I want to. He's telling us. I think if, and I say the if, if I'm right about how Paul was disobedient to the Holy Spirit when he went to Jerusalem instead of uh, uh, staying in Ephesus or, or going to Rome from Ephesus instead of going, instead of going to Jerusalem and ending up going to Rome in chains. If I'm right about him being wrong about that decision, then I think we hear in this passage some of Paul's, not confession, but just his understanding of where he is. Y'all, I don't get this right either. Sometimes I want to go to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit tells me to not to, tells me instead to go to Rome, but I go to Jerusalem anyway. But you know what he says? We can take more steps. We, we, can, we can fix it. We can get back on track. I mean, it, it's obvious here in verse 12, nobody would have understood Paul to be saying, I don't believe, that I've not the re yet reached the goal of resurrection. We got that, Paul. We know you're not dead. Uh, we know that you haven't come back from the dead. So we know that. So he's, he's not talking about uh, what he ends on in verse 11, I don't believe, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And then he says, not that I've already reached the goal, not that I've already reached resurrection. We got that, Paul. Paul is letting us know that it is difficult. Carol, is that next slide? Uh, uh, there we go. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, he knew it was hard. He knew he had not gotten to where he needed to be. 
He doesn't know Jesus as he would like. He knows one day, he knows that now he sees in a glass darkly and one day he will see face to face. He's, he's excited about that. Again, chapter 1, to live as Christ, to die as gain. He knew what his ultimate goal was. He knew where he would end up and he could not wait for the day. What he did not want to do was neglect today being closer to Jesus, knowing him better, being more like him, be, knowing the power of his resurrection, knowing the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. He did not want to miss out on that today. He did not want to wait to die to know Jesus better. Some of us do. I'll get to see Jesus when I'm in heaven. If you'd try harder, you'd see him now. If you'd give more, if you'd do more, if you would serve him more, you would see him in ways you've never dreamed of. If you would just press on. Because that's what he says do. 12b, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. I've not already arrived. He says I'm not complete but I make every effort to take hold of it. Every effort to take hold of it. Every effort. Which efforts? Which efforts did he, ha did he use? How many? All of them. Every opportunity Paul used to take hold of knowing Christ better. Last week I talked about preparation of Olympic athletes and you know every minute of their day is scheduled and regimented so that it is a, a contribution to getting that gold medal, achieving the goal, the, the one goal they have in life. Paul is saying every effort, every moment of my day Every circumstance that arises, every situation that comes up, every thought that I have is an opportunity, is me using effort to know Christ better. Everything. And this is foreign to us, I'm afraid. We want to divide our lives. And we want to say, well, I've got my church life. And, you know, sometimes my church life kind of bleeds over into my personal life. And certainly I'm, I'm saved all the time and I love Jesus all the time. But, but then when I'm at work or then when I'm at school, you know, most of that is, most of the church part, I, I leave there and I get this stuff done and these are the things I have to do. And, and then, then I go back on Sunday or, or Wednesday or it, whenever our D group meets or whatever. And, and I, I go back and forth. I flip-flop. And Paul says, no, there, there's no flip-flopping, there's no divide between the secular and the sacred for the believer. It's all sacred. It's all a part of Jesus. Everything I own is God's, all my money is his, my, my effort is for him, he says. He presses on with everything he has. The, 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 uh, tone of every effort, I make every effort, is 
intense at this point. It's going to be more intense in verse uh, 14. But it is the idea of every muscle straining. If I'm going to continue with the uh, Olympic athletes or just the athletes in general, I saw a video uh, a few days ago of this behemoth of a man deadlifted half a metric ton. It was a thousand kilograms. Is that right? Huh? Well, it'd be a thousand pounds, right? But anyway, it was a half a ton deadlifted. He nearly passed out. He 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 couldn't uh, he couldn't stand up for the first. 30, 45 seconds after he did it. Every vein in his neck was bulging. He was turning red, sweat breaking out. Of course, then when he was done, he was pale, and he, you, know, you could see him trembling when he did it. And, and talk about every effort. There was no part of that man's body. His pinky toes and his eyelashes were helping, helping him pick up a 1,000 pounds. Every effort, that's the image Paul gives us of every effort. That girl, Miss Healy, running to win that race from fifth place and a quarter of a lap back. Every effort. I mean, you could see it in a running, right? You, you knew that girl could not run any faster if she had to. If there was a bear chasing her, she couldn't run any faster than she is right now. That was every effort she had. And she won. She achieved it. But Paul wants us to understand, to make sure that we are not running for a gold medal or a college championship or anything that is tangible and going to rust and go away someday. We are running to take hold of Jesus. We kind of get an image of, of Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel. He saw the, 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 the ladder and the angel is going up and down the ladder. And he grabbed hold of the angel and the angel says, let me go. And he said, not until you bless me. He was not going to let go until he got what he needed from the angel. We do not stop reaching. We do not stop running, stop lifting. We make every effort to take hold of Jesus, to grasp Jesus, to understand Jesus, to understand our own salvation, our own place in the world, our, our purpose in the kingdom. We can only know who we are and why we are and what we are for when we know Jesus. And so he makes every effort to take hold of that. That is his goal. That is his purpose. That is what he presses on to. And he does it, he says, not for the glory, not for the crown, not for the wreath, not for the medal, not for the, 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 the ability to brag about winning, but he does it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. We make every effort to know Jesus because Jesus saved us, period. Period. Is it going to make life easier? Some days. 
Is heaven going to be wonderful? Absolutely. Is heaven better than hell? Sure is. But are those the reasons we make every effort to know Jesus? No, we do it because he took hold of us. He said, I want you to be my child. God said, I want you to be my child so much so that I will send my own son to die on the cross for you so that I can have a relationship with you through him. If you know him, you will know me, is what Jesus said. Or actually what he said was, if you know me, you will know the Father. And so Paul says, I make every effort to know him, but to, to take hold of him because he took hold of of me let me ask you this morning has jesus taken hold of you now i'm not i'm not talking about are you saved i'm talking about has he taken hold of you 100 years ago 150 years ago uh, the phrase taken hold of would be used almost as a not quite derogatory but you'd take it you'd talk about well Alcohol's taken hold of that person. Or the fits have taken hold of her. Or her nerves just took hold of her. Right? I mean, am I speaking out of turn? Y'all recognize the phrase? Something took, and I'm sorry I was picking on women at that point. Men get taken hold of too. Okay? Um, but you've heard that phrase, right? It just, it just, that just took, it took hold of him. That's what I'm asking you. Has Jesus taken hold of you do people look at you do people hear about you do people who know you say well that jesus is just taking hold of him that jesus is just taking hold of her you cannot talk about it, talk to him or her about anything without him bringing up jesus just taking up jesus taking hold jesus just taking hold of them i hope so paul says he has taken hold of me isn't that the example we see of paul paul what do you think of the weather today? That's beautiful, but it's not as beautiful as my salvation. Oh, Paul, come on. And Paul says, no, you come on. What is more wonderful than the fact that I'm saved? Sure, the sun is great, and the weather's wonderful, and, and if you like hot weather, boy, aren't you happy right now. But somebody's saying, I love the summer. Tom loves the summer. But the summers in heaven are going to be better, Paul would say. The, 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 sun shine, the, the sun that shines in my heart is much brighter than the sun that shines out here. And we would, we would roll our eyes at these cliches and these metaphors. And we're like, Paul, oh my gosh, I'm going to throw up. And Paul would say, you know what makes me sick? That w- there was a time when I didn't know Jesus. And he would turn it around every time. Because Jesus had taken hold of him. And because he had, all Paul could see in his life was pressing on to take hold of Jesus. To know Jesus better. If if you suddenly, if you were in a tremendous amount of debt, and you found out somebody paid off every one of your debts, right now, every debt you own, houses, uh, cars, student loans, credit cards, medical bills, whatever it is, if, if you have a debt, taxes, you have a debt, it is paid off suddenly 
you now owe zero dollars to anybody. Are you just going to look at your bank account and go, well, that's nice. All right, let's go out to eat. Or are you going to make every effort to find out how that happened? What, what, what? And it wasn't the bank being nice, necessarily. It wasn't the, 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 the dealership or the, the, well, the bank, the bank, the bank, it was the government. It wasn't all those people, those organizations just forgiving the loan. It's, it's one person. One person has fronted the money to pay off every debt you have. Are you just going to go to bed that night going, well, it's, that, that's pretty cool what happened today, wasn't it? And, and just going, you are going to... I'm going to make every effort to find out who did this. And then I'm going to want to know why. Who is this person that would do this for me? Why, what do, they, do they know me? Did, are, they, are they a relative of mine that I'm just not familiar? Who did this for me? And then I'm going to, at the very least, I want to thank them. And, and hopefully I do more than that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take them out to dinner. Sounds like they've got enough money that they don't have to worry about it. But I'm still going to, I want to get to know this person. Your ultimate debt was paid by Jesus. Paul's ultimate debt was paid by Jesus. Paul remembered Damascus. Paul knew what he was doing, where he was going, when Jesus met him in the road and said, it's time for you to serve me, fella. Paul knew that. Paul remembered that. And so, because his debt was forgiven, he was going to spend every effort pressing on to know the one who had forgiven his debt. And because we serve an infinite God, an infinite Savior, we will never come close to knowing him and plumbing the depths of, of him. So we've got a lifetime of making that effort. So Paul, in this passage, he, he ad, we see that we should admit the difficulty we see in the second half of verse 12 that we need to press on. Verse 13 tells us to stay focused. Stay focused. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. He's just one more time. Let, 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 me, let, me, say, let me tell you again. I have not done what I'm telling you that we need to do. And I think there's a little bit of, in verse 13... Not only have I not achieved my goal, but I don't always chase the goal like I should. I think verse 13 is also talking about verse 12. I make every effort. Paul says, but you know what? Sometimes, I don't, some days I don't make the effort. But, but you know what I do? I realize, I get up, verse 13, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. I've not achieved what I uh, have want to yet. But one thing I do, and then he gives us two things. That's because the one thing is verse 14. Verse 13 is how he does the, the, the one thing, how he achieves the one thing. The one thing is verse 14. The, the two methods of achieving the one thing is the two things in verse 13. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is he ahead. Now, that's the past and the future. And what is Paul focused on here? 
Is he focused on the past? Say no. Is he focused on the future? Say yes. That's right. Good job. He is not focused on what's behind him. And he's really not even focused on right now other than right now is about focusing on what's in front of him. For Miss Healy, it was one step in front of the other. It did not matter that they were in fifth place. It did not matter that somebody on the first three legs of the relay team had not done everything they were supposed to do. The past didn't matter. She had a job to run around that 100-meter track faster than anybody else on that track. Regardless of how far back she was, she still had to run faster than them. So the, the current situation did not matter. Back in the 1924 Olympics, let me find this on here. Actually, it wasn't uh, the Olympics, it was the, the British Empire Games in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Anybody remember those? I didn't think so. They were running the mile. Roger Bannister, uh, this was 1954, I'm sorry, I got my dates wrong. 1954, 1924 was Chariots of Fire, Eric Little stuff. 1954. Some of y'all do remember that one. Yeah. Uh, during the British Empire Games in Vancouver, it was the greatest mile run matchup that had ever taken place. Uh, it's called the Miracle Mile because a British gentleman by the name of Roger Bannister, who can tell me what Roger Bannister is known for? There you go. Broke the four-minute mile. First person. I do it all the time now. But he was the first one to do it. He was racing an Australian named John Landy. And at that moment, in 1954, there were only two people who had ever run a mile in less than four minutes. Roger Bannister and John Landy. And they were in this race together. Now, of course, they were both ready. They were conditioned for it. Uh, they had all the, the stats. They, they were everything that they were supposed to do they had you know mentally they were in the race physically they were ready to go and and Bannister had decided that he was going to uh, relax a little during the third lap and give everything he had in the fourth lap that was his strategy to beat John Landy the problem was that John Landy had a different strategy the problem that was that Landy's strategy was to run flat out in the third lap. And Bannister realized fairly soon uh, that the lead that Landy already had on him was getting much, much uh, bigger. So uh, Bannister realized that uh, his strategy wasn't going to, to work. He, was, he knew if, if I slow down in the third lap now, Landy's going to get too far out in front of me, and I'm not going to be able to catch him in the fourth lap. He knew his own abilities. So he decided to turn it on in the third lap. So he was running. He didn't slow down. And right as they made the turn to the home stretch, 
And apparently you can watch this online. I, I didn't do it, but it's been shown thousands of times. Landy, because the crowds were roaring, could not hear Roger Bannister's footsteps. He couldn't hear what was going on behind him. He didn't know how close Bannister uh, was. Now, obviously, I'm not a competitive runner. But what should Landy have focused on in that race? Pretty an easy question. The finish line. His goal was to get to the finish line first. As they turned the corner and got to the home stretch, and Landy could not hear Bannister's footfall, he looked back to see where he was. It's all Roger Bannister needed. That millisecond of a glimpse, of a glance, just looking back, just real quick, messed up Landy's rhythm. Just for that quick second, or less than a second, he didn't stride quite as far. He didn't pump his arms quite as hard because he was focused on something else. Bannister took that opportunity, launched his attack, and beat John Landy by five yards in this race. What was the fatal flaw? He looked back. Paul says, do not look back. The past is over. And I don't care what uh, the, the little baboon in the Lion King says, the past really doesn't matter. The past is atoned for. We do not look to the past to see how we are going to achieve God's goal for us today. We do not look to the past to see what the future holds for us. The past has been taken care of. Past failures do not affect future success. Does the past make it harder? Phil uh, Healy, the young lady who won the, the relay, would tell you, yes, the past made it harder. She had to run a lot harder in, over to, in order to overcome what had been done before her moment to run that race. So in that sense, certainly the past matters. But she could not have won that race if she was just jogging along. Those stupid people, I can't believe they didn't give me a better lead than this. I cannot, there's no way I can make this up. I can, you know, um, Eric Little, who ran in the Olympics, fell. Right? He fell in the race, and he came back and won the race. He could have said, well, forget it. It's over for me now. You don't, you don't fall in a foot race and go on to win. But he did because he didn't quit. The, the past failure made it harder, but it did not dictate the outcome. The current situation doesn't matter. The past failures do not matter. The only thing that matters, Paul says... I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Straining. You see the, the runners when they get to the end and it's a close race and they put out their chest and that's what wins and they stretch and they struggle. They strain to get that one inch. If you watch the Winter Olympics and you watch the, uh, the speed skaters, Right when they get to that line, they stretch their foot out so that the blade of that ice skate is the 
maybe by that much, but they beat the other person by that much. They strain, they, they reach, they give it everything to get to that goal. Straining forward for what is ahead. What is your next step? What is, how close are you to the goal? How far are you from the goal? It doesn't matter. What matters is your focus and the next step. Who's running the race beside you? See, the beauty of the Christian life is we're not racing against anybody but ourselves. We're only racing against ourselves. I mean, Paul pretty much makes that clear in, verses, in verse 14. Press on again, he says. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Is Paul racing against other Christians? No, and neither are you. Are people further along in the race than you? Further behind in the race than you? Yes. So? We are not racing each other to the goal. We are only racing ourselves. So... If there is a past that we have to overcome in order to win the race, it is our past. It is our mistakes. Did, did, did we fall? Then we've got to make that up. But that does not define the goal. And that doesn't preclude us from winning. See, winning is not about getting there before somebody else. Winning is about getting there as God has called us to be there. Taking hold of Jesus. Press on, he says in verse 14. Like I said, Paul is trying to beat himself. He, he's got his best time, his personal best. Now, I don't care that others have run the four-minute mile. I'm trying to beat my personal best of a 15-minute mile. I'm going to get under 15 minutes this time. You watch. That's all he's looking at. He's not looking at the distractions. I pursue my goal. I pursue. I press on. I strain to the end. Forgetting and reaching, I'm looking at one thing. I have no distractions in life from that. There's nothing that will make me veer from one side to the other. He has one purpose to reach the goal. He has one spectator. God, the, the promise of God, the, the calling of God. And he only has one arena where God has put him, this life that he lives. Paul is only concerned about running the race that the Lord has put before him and reaching the goal of knowing Jesus better. That's it. Did, did that arena, did it matter if he was living in Ephesus? Nope. Did it matter if he was in jail in Jerusalem? Nope. Did it matter if he was under house arrest in Rome? Nope. Does it matter if he is shipwrecked in Malta? Nope. Does it matter if he is being beaten and, and thrown out for dead in Thessalonica or somewhere along in there? Nope. Did any of those things matter? No. Those were not the arenas in which Paul ran his race. He ran his race in the arena of the kingdom of God. That was all that mattered. 
So wherever he was called to, whatever he was going through, whatever the current situation or the past circumstances or the future circumstances, none of that mattered because he had one goal to know Jesus, to please the one spectator that mattered who was looking, and that was God, in the one arena of the kingdom of God that he was called to serve in. That's Paul pressing on. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's it. What should I do? Press on. Press on and know Jesus. You can either write down the title or you can write down the next slide. The what should I do? Press on, know Jesus. It's all the same. You have one one job. That's it. So today, whatever the situation is, press on. Today, whatever the distraction is, press on. Yesterday, whatever the failure was, press on. Don't press on to get to heaven. You will fail. If your goal is to earn your way to heaven, you will fail at it, period. You can't do it. You cannot run that race. You will not win that prize on your own effort. But if you run the race that the Lord has set before you, if you you run the race that Jesus has called you to, if you race, make every effort to take hold of knowing Jesus, because you know Jesus has taken hold of you, then you will win the race. No matter what position you come in compared to everybody else because you're not running against them. Press on. Know Jesus. But you might be running a race where the rules are such that you can't win the way you're running it. that's, That's what it is to run the race to heaven without Jesus. To run the race to heaven thinking, if I just run harder, if I just work more, if I just do better, then I'll earn my spot in heaven. No. You are going to lose. You're, you're going to be, um, in Greek mythology, there's a guy by the name, I believe it's Sisyphus, who his, uh, his punishment for eternity was rolling a huge stone up a hill. And just as he would get to the top of the hill where he could finally rest, that was the goal, the stone would slip and roll back down the hill. And he'd have to go back down the hill, get behind it again, and work it again. And that was what he did for eternity. That is a good picture of what it's like to try to earn our way into heaven. It won't work. We can press on. I'm working at it, Michael. I'm doing my best. I hope to get there. You're not going to. You can only know heaven by knowing Jesus. You can only press on in the kingdom. You can only take hold of Jesus if you have been taken hold of by Jesus. What does that look like? This morning, if you've never accepted Christ, he's trying to take hold of you. The Holy Spirit is working on your heart. The Holy Spirit is telling you, you're not not mine. You're not saved. 
And you're arguing, oh, well, I, but I, I work hard, and I, I do this, and I do that. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, no, you don't know Jesus. You've never experienced salvation. And now the Holy Spirit's telling you, now shut up arguing with me and listen to Michael for just a second. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You are a sinner, and, and that's why you're never going to get to heaven. That's why you're never going to get that boulder pushed up to the top of the mountain, because you will never not sin, and you will never be able to make up for your sin. And because you're a sinner, or, or rather because of sin, the Lord decreed that the wages of those sins is death. You will die because of your sins, not just a physical death where this body quits working, but a, uh, a, an eternal separation from God. That's the ultimate death. But, he says, even though that's the ultimate death, even though that is the reward, that is the just payment of your sin, the gift, the gift, the, the taking hold of by Jesus, the promise the thing you don't have to earn, the thing that you can't earn, the, the, the very reason you don't have to run a race hoping to run fast enough to get it, the gift that God gives you is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And just so we would know how precious that gift is and how unable we are to earn that gift, is, how, un, uh, how unable we are to earn that gift, God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You didn't do anything to earn Jesus' death back then. He died long before you sinned, long before you were good, long before you did anything that might say, well, Jesus owes me something. Nope, he did it long before that. While you were still a sinner, no hope, no promise, no heaven, weren't even running a race yet, Jesus died for you. And he proved that he loved you. And now he's asking you. Now he is drawing you through the Holy Spirit to call on the name of the Lord. And when you do, you will be saved. Not when you run the race hard. Not when you give enough effort. Not when you train enough. Not when you do anything. But when you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's it. Michael, don't I have to do something? To, nope. I mean, shouldn't I have to go out there and... No. But i got to clean up every... Nope. Come to Jesus. That's all you have to do this morning. Repent of your sins and come to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the strength that you give us to press on. We thank you that we thank you that ignoring the past is a gift from your hand. Not that we forget truly, not that it's no longer in our memory, but that we no longer bring it up. That no longer matters to where you have us now. We still have a race to run. God, I thank you that you, you do that for us, that you call us, that you work in our lives, that you give us the strength 
God, we thank you as believers that you have taken hold of us. May we strive to take hold of you. This morning, if there's someone who, have not, who has not experienced salvation, not trusted in Jesus Christ, you are reaching out to take hold of them. Your Holy Spirit is drawing them. Lord, I pray today that they would do as the Gospel of John says and believe that they would confess with their mouths and believe in their hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they would experience that salvation today. May you work in this place on the lives of the lost who don't know you and the lives of the believers who need to get back in the race and run it with purpose to reach the one goal, forgetting what is behind and focusing in on what is ahead and pressing on with every effort to take hold of you, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So what's your decision this morning? We, we're going to have a time for you to respond. The prayer rails are open to you. You may need to respond in your heart. Maybe you want to accept Christ. You don't have to have me. I, I told you, you know, those are the verses. They're right there it's in your Faith at Life app if you want to look at that. It's between you and God. I can, I can give you some words to pray, but it's not necessary that I be a part of that or anybody. But we certainly want to rejoice with you if that's something you want to do. And if you have questions, we want to be able to answer those. Grab me or Tom or Amy or some other leader after the service. We'd love to talk to you about that. Believers, what about you? How's your race? How are you running? Are you focused on the goal? Are you looking at that prize? Are you still concerned about the past? Have you gotten tired and said, I'm, I'm going to sit on the bleachers for a while? There are no bleachers. There's nowhere to sit. There's just a race. Press on. Press on. Press on. Let's sing. Let's worship. In the next few minutes, let's let the Lord do business in our hearts.